mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? I'm feeling like I want to dance. Really? Yes. You feel like that a lot, though, don't you? Uh, no, I don't, actually. But sometimes <laughs> the mood does um, come over me. And yes. yeah, Oof. and I would love to dance. And I'm inspired because today's guest creates incredible performances and mm-hmm. i've actually read that she likes to dance which is i mm-hmm. think one of the kind of impulses which led to her performances we will discover very mm-hmm. soon but also one of the reasons you and i fell in love with our guest's work is because she also makes vessels and ceramics mm-hmm. and kind of very much linked to the history of pottery and they kind of have their own personalities and you and i have been obsessed with ceramics especially ceramics within contemporary art within that kind of context mm-hmm. for a long time now yes and um our guest has an amazing exhibition which you've seen and unfortunately i haven't because i'm sadly stuck in kent still sort of being very careful but i know that you went the other day didn't you in london yeah as soon as as soon as the galleries were opened in london i got the message and i was straight down there on my bike uh to uh, a gallery called uh corvi mora which is a former guest of talk art tomazo corvi mora and uh i saw the show and i said to tomazo we have to get this artist on talk art this is amazing and here we are so it's a it's happy days and the show is called neighborhood garden love yep. that title so yep. we would like to welcome to talk art shawanda corbett how are you i'm good how are you good where in the world are you shawanda i am in oxford in england in England, yeah. Yes. And people listening to your accent would think you're in America. You've been in the UK for a few years now, right? Yeah, a few years, yeah. When did you first come here? It was back in 2016 um, for yeah. my master's. And yeah. that was at, at the Ruskin? At the Ruskin, yeah. Yeah. And why did you choose why did you choose the Ruskin? What was it about the Ruskin that took you from New York to Oxford? Well, um, one of the many things that I really liked about the Ruskin was um, I am able to really be open, free-flowing, you know, because um, the states, their their curriculum is taking other courses while you're practicing art, and here is not like that. 
um, you are free to move about and, and, you know, expand in many different ways, but it's not a requirement to take other courses on top of your main course. Um, and, um, and I like to be quite free with my work because I, I work well when I am not instructed to do things. So I'm mm. pretty much <laughs> kind of a rebel. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so those uh, type of structures never worked well for me because I still just venture off and do my own thing, um, which is uh, kind of what uh, the Ruskin definitely nurture and, and really um, push students to do is to be very independent in their own right. studies. Yeah. Was there anyone that you knew from the Ruskin that who had uh, graduated that you kind of looked to as a, a role model for that course? No, uh, the course was actually quite new. It was it's in its uh, I want to say second year. Um, oh, really? So yeah, it was really new. It's a really new program. So I amazing. didn't know anyone. <laughs> but you've uh, you have got an amazing tutor there who me and Rob and the rest of the world are obsessed with uh, the artist Lynette Yiden-Biachi, who is your tutor, and she has been an incredible champion for you. What has that been like, being uh, taught by Lynette? Oh, man, Miss Lynette, which is like a Southern thing when you call someone by, you know, Miss or Mr. So Miss Lynette, yeah. I refer to her as Miss <laughs> Lynette. So she's um, yeah. she's she's been very great. Like, she's... Uh, just in conversation, really challenge how I see things, and um, and her being a, a painter, uh, really loved her work before uh, getting there. So the fact that I was assigned to her, <laughs> I was really excited and a little nervous. Um, so mm-hmm. she, her mind is so, um, it's just so, I guess flexible. I want to say flexible, and it's not just painting. She sees things very three-dimensional, which is very, very helpful uh, coming uh, from ceramics, studying ceramics for so long. And um, so I was able to really talk to her. Um, even when I wanted to switch over to performance, I wanted to get rid of ceramics. And she <laughs> challenged me with that, like, uh, if you give me a good reason, um, to quit ceramics, then, you know, then it's fine. Um, she really encouraged me to hold on to that as well. So that was oh, really good. great. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really good that she kind of, uh, convinced me to, to stay, to keep with it, stay with it. Um, but to also like apply those, um, ceramic principles to other mediums as well. So yeah, right. yeah, she's been very, very. Great. So did you did did you experience a kind of fatigue with the idea of making ceramics and continuing to to make ceramics after you've been doing it for such a long time? Because you've been making them for maybe more than ten years now. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I, I did f- felt like um, I was. I did felt a bit of a fatigue from it um, because when you are learning about ceramics and academia, it is ceramics all day, every day. And it's history right. and, uh, you know, the chemistry, which I love, but um, just sitting at the wheel, because um, I was taught in a production potter format to mm-hmm. produce a lot consistently. Um, so I needed to find a way to break break that 
and to actually enjoy it um, different ways, you know, bring, you know, be able to like bring in painting and other things. So it can be like a, like a transaction between different mediums. Yeah. Right. Well, you've actually worked out a, a, a bespoke way of a, of a throwing technique using the potter's wheel, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, with that, Starting out, <laughs> starting out, yeah. I was not able. I was, I was terrible. Okay, like the 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 clay would fly off the wheel, frustrated. Um, but because you're you're quite taught to use two hands, and I only have one, so um, and it was actually a conversation with um, with a uh, I think it was a mathematician at one of the colleges that I studied at. Um, and he was talking, we were talking about uh, calculus and sine, cosine, tangent. And he was like, actually, you know, with the centrifugal force, you, you can just use one, you know, one sided pressure to throw. And I was like, there's no way. And then he sort of showed me mathematically. I'm like, oh, okay. So it, that really um, encouraged me to look um, in different cultures and how they throw and, and things like that. And I came across Japanese pottery and how sometimes they do throw upside down, um, which was very helpful, very helpful. Right. What does yeah. that mean? Like, so there's like, like one point of pressure on, so you don't need both hands, you can do it yeah. with one hand, one point. One hand. Well, what do you mean upside down? What does that mean? Upside down means like the form is um, you throwing the form upside down. So the the foot comes first, not the not the neck <gasps> or the lip. Yeah. So you throw the foot first. Um, so how do you keep it hollow inside with that? How does that technique work? Oh, is you, you just know, throw like if you turn it up then and you put you go on. Sorry. Oh yeah. So you can um, either close it off on the bottom, uh, but it's all just thrown like you would throw a cylinder. You know, it's the same process. Yeah. It's just um, flipped. Yeah. Wow. I love it. And, and you've looked at a lot of um, techniques. You just mentioned the Japanese wheel throwing, but you've looked at like African vessels and Middle yeah. Eastern like utilitarian vessels and Egyptian glass. And it feels like yeah. this, the, your, your development has been inspired by several different cultures. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, like I just, not just how they make, but their, how they think about making you know, how they see form, you know, I don't just really see uh, how they make things like their, their actual process is, is also like the, 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 the culture around it, because there's a complete culture and history around it. And it changes with how the environment and how the community has changed. So that changes, whether it's within um, subtleties in the surface or the form or um, just how it's presented, you know. And so you can kind of eyeball and, and, and see like what era that actually came from. Just, just thinking about, uh, you know, being knowledgeable about their, their how they, just spoke how they communicated how they um how they you know what other cultures they've been in contact with it all changes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and these ceramics we're talking about that you've made for this show neighborhood garden which is currently on at corvin mora gallery these are almost well i'd say they're kind of like toddler size i would say life-size toddler size they're 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 up to like 
you know, they're, they're a few feet tall, aren't they? And these, these are, are massive vessels. And at the minute, they're in the middle of the room on a, on a big platform. And yeah. they're in pairs. And they are, you said, describe them as being figurative as well as vessels. They, they, they actually have personalities. They are people that you've experienced in your life. Actually, with funny, funny thing, like the vessels are quite my eye level um, when I, without my chair. So I make things that are from my perspective, always, um, you know, make an effort for that. So for me, they're like, you know, they're, <laughs> they're quite life-size for me, but for other people, it's, uh, it's that. So um, if you do see it, you kind of have to kneel down and it's right. kind of, and it really overlaps the paintings as well that's in with that's within the show and so it gives you a different perspective of the vessels or person um yeah yeah oh wow okay so that's how you you would you like to want people to do that and see that as kind of the way to experience the work uh yeah you know i i do i'm you know it's not a requirement but um uh-huh. yeah but it's just you want to just a little bit something extra yeah just get eye level with the with the vessels uh-huh. yeah. I, I really love the way that that some of them tilt as well because they, they kind of have their own character and and you feel like that they're almost like how they come to be is um, you know, while you're making them rather than like you mentioned earlier, that idea of having to consistently make something that's kind of accurately, um, you know, identical each time, you know, if you're making, I don't know, say like a commercial, bowl. Like, yeah, yeah, commercially. Yeah. And there, there's a rule kind of in the history of ceramics that you have to make them all in a certain way and they have to, but what I like about yours is that you are breaking the rules. Like you described yourself as a rebel earlier, which I loved. I was like, ding, ding, ding. But um, <laughs> I, I, I really like that in the work, this kind of the way they tilt and they have this kind of quirky, like, you know, individual, individuality. Individual bodies, don't they? Yeah. 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 I, um, I think within that and throwing, um, it's you really, yeah, it, it really uh, starts within throwing because um, each ball or bag of clay um, has its own memory. So I just let the 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 clay form into whatever form it it wants to be instead of forcing wow. it. Um, Whoa, so I it, love that. Hang on, let's <laughs> go back over that again. So you mean the clay from the earth has its own yeah. like life force? Yeah, it does. It has its own. Isn't that so quite it's like a you're releasing kind of, it? Yeah. Isn't that quite a Japanese like way of thinking? Yes, it's a very Japanese way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's new energy. It's the energy that you're transferring energy and you're like the conduit to the new version of that energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like yeah, so I I just it's it's very much a meditative uh state. Um, so it's just me responding to the clay. So when it, and, um, and because the bottom and certain sections are thrown either right side up or upside down, um, it kind of unwinds when it's fired. So when it dries, it unwinds a little bit because each part is thrown different directions. So it allows it to tilt or sag or do whatever it naturally does with the how the air is moving within the space um during its drying state yeah 
Wow. And was that was that something that you developed um, through your connection to the Japanese potter Kazuya Ishida? Yes, he was amazing. <laughs> With just yeah, watching, he sounds amazing. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> listen to him talk, and um, and he was talking about how they don't necessarily plan out how the forms will look. He would just let it happen. And, um, and he really challenged me to, to do the same. Um, and, and I've never looked back since then. So it's just, yeah. So it, it changed the work. He changed your thinking behind it all. Yeah, it definitely changed the work for oh. sure. And, and thinking. So these works are all based on um, moments in time of your childhood in Mississippi and then yeah. in New York. And they're all based on people in your neighborhood, like, like Neighborhood Garden. Mm-hmm. They're all based on your community, right? Yeah, yeah. Many different people. You know, um, in every community that I lived in, um, they have one particular person that does something like Candy Lady. Um, I've had a Candy Lady in every community that I lived in growing up. So mm-hmm. it's just like the embodiment what of is all a can- those What's a Candy Lady? Okay, so like a candy lady is um, a person, a woman is is usually typically a woman, a woman within the uh, within the community that sold uh, uh, like candy and and chips and things like that uh, to to children or to well well to anyone um, within the neighborhood for a very low price. So if you like go to a corner store, it would cost significantly much more so mm. the candy lady would do it at discounted prices and that yeah. and you would experience them in every community you've been in that's that's an american culture thing is it i don't i know i don't know like i want to say it's more of a black community culture right right because yeah. i don't i haven't heard of anything like that in other communities no. yeah I can think of it here being like the ice cream van man or something. Yeah. It's like they come round in the community and you get your your ninety nine flake from them. Yeah, I guess. But I love the titles you got. It's a candy lady. But then there's another one I saw called Neighborhood Crackhead. Yeah. So I guess that's the same as Candy Lady, but with crack. Yeah. Is that the? Yeah. <laughs> is that the same? No. <laughs> same no, no. <laughs> that is actually just a, a person. Oh right. <laughs> that um that was at, at one point <laughs> um on on drugs um but it was it was more about that person's personality you know it it's it's kind of like a a stigma within black communities within media of how a typical person like they're dangerous and things like that and and in my in my experience and i can't speak for everyone else that uh you know yeah they have they've done things and made choices on how to um, how to process life and how to do things like that. But they're actually really good people. And, you know, they're actually really kind. It's just um, how they cope yeah. with the world. And so I wanted to really focus on that person's uh, personality and, and, thing, and the positive things that they have, um, you know, given within their communities. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true because it's so easy to um, to sort of vilify, you know, people who yeah. are addicted to drugs or, yeah. or different things. But actually, or they're to still write humans, them off, isn't it? And you write them a off reason. as that's yeah, what they exactly. are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, I've seen it a lot here, actually, in Kent, where I live. Um, 
you know, you get to know, it's a very small community here and you do get to know a few people. And I agree. I mean, they just seem like very normal, kind people who are sadly addicted to whatever substance it is. But it doesn't mean that they're, you know, not kind. Less or, than. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How did, how did you find art, Shawanda? How did you get into art? Uh, well, it's always been around in my household. Um, my mother painted a lot during my childhood, you know, cause she grew up in, um, in Brooklyn. And, uh, and so at one point you have to choose a, which path you wanted to go down and she went down art. So she's like really good in, in drawing and painting. And she's always, we always had, um, uh, books with artists in it. That's all we had. So I would uh, read upon it and things like that. And we got into uh, music, uh, classical, blues, jazz, all of that, all, always playing in the house and, and you know, and watching my father because he's a, a welder. So we were around it all the time, all the time. Wow. Yeah. And listen, and jazz is a, is a huge part of your practice now because you listen to different jazz songs when yeah. you're creating work, right? Yeah, listen to jazz, love it. And you use that while you're working and that, that energy goes into the pieces. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think Stanley Whitney makes paintings. Do you know Stanley Whitney's work and all of his paintings are based on like jazz music scores? Yes, yes. I, I, I was exposed to it a few years ago and uh, really thought that was um, great and fantastic. And uh, yeah, and I, and I started introducing that into into my making process just listen to jazz or any kind of music what, but i mostly use, listen to jazz what's your favorite um sort of jazz musicians oh man there's so many uh <laughs> can you give us like top top three or something top three man okay, I'm challenging you now. <laughs> okay um eric dolphy he's great mm. eric dolphy okay um yeah. Charles Mingus. Is he contemporary? He he was uh well yeah kind of sort of he was around uh, with this at the same time with um, John Coltrane. Train mm -hmm. yeah yeah which John Coltrane is my third one <laughs> so Go but on. his wife <laughs> Alice Coltrane she's amazing with a harp she's great yeah oh, really mm -hmm. all right that's good and to er know er and er Eric Dolphy was a saxophonist. Yeah, uh, Eric Dolphy. I think it's because he 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 plays so many different instruments. Uh, there was one particular song that really got me hooked, and it's called "Springtime." And I think mm -hmm. he was playing the bassoon in this one, um, and it's just beautiful, just beautiful. Wow! Do you so play? Who was your second one? The second one was uh, Charles Mingus. Yeah. Do you play any instruments or sing? I, sing? <laughs> I play the uh, trumpet a little bit, a little bit. I'm not like, uh -huh. you know. You're you know. not a genius. But <laughs> right. I do all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Because you, you, as you said in the intro, you love dancing. And there's um, been a, a couple of performances that you can actually see online, one on the Serpentine website. Mm -hmm called Blackbird Mississippi which you did in 2019 where you there are there is um 
uh, music, there's beautiful singing, and there's uh, a performance that you gave. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. Uh, so I really wanted to, I guess, create an environment of how I move about. You know, giving my um my my background, my family background is in Mississippi on both sides. So um, what I really wanted to do was bring a lot of the culture in Black communities from Mississippi and bring it there and create it there for that moment in time. And so there was singing and musicians and dancing, which is very much part of the uh, Christian community as well. So yeah, so I wanted to, um, there's this, uh, this ministry called, uh, Mime Ministry, which Mime Dance been around for like a very, very, very long time. But, um, but the way they use it and how they, uh, very much influenced by, um, African dance and things like that. And so I wanted to bring that there. And, you know, so I very much, uh, collaborated with my younger brother um, and he's a trained dancer and choreographer um so he it's albert albert albert, Corbett, right? albert corvett yeah so yeah. he choreographed the the first um the first uh piece um dance piece that i did and the second one was improv so the first one um he wanted to do you know very um you know like the mississippi way of of dancing you have to be very vulnerable um really connected as he would say you have to do things with your body that is humanly impossible to show them that you are human and um so so we really talked about like um uh, church but without using songs from from you know church songs not really church songs but it's like maybe a few are like negro spirituals but um but i wanted to really do that uh with the singers and and that's the the main thing about mime um you know is you're you're telling a story to people who couldn't read you know historically um so mm. you're 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 giving them the information through movement and it's a language, you know, and um, and so that's why I really collaborated with the uh, gospel group um, in London. Which yeah. they're amazing. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, like you know, and and the way I always format it, I do all the the thinking, the research, and the writing, and so all they have to do is come in. And um, and just do their part, which was really great because it seems like and it looks like we uh, rehearsed for months and it was just that collaborate together. Yeah, it yeah, did, it's yeah. all about collaboration. Wow. So we only got together that week, <laughs> the week of the performance, <laughs> and it worked out. So and it was one performance. One performance. It was one performance. Yeah, it was one. Per- would you do it again somewhere? Is that something you would like to 
take around because you you create this the stage as well like a platform i've seen one where you've put the platform together and then you've used that as a stage and especially in the show neighborhood garden there's a platform yeah. which you was meant to use for the opening but covid stopped that from happening but the, yeah it's a thing where you can travel around right mm-hmm. it's something that can easily be broken down and installed and you know what i mean and and um but it, you know with every i think with every performance which is uh, a little bit with uh, the Japanese way of making is that it's going to be different because it's all about using everyone's energy. You know what I mean? It's that energy, releasing energy. So it, it all depends on the on the audience, and because it's the format is in a circular format for everyone to sit, so it's a continuous thing. You know, um, it's just how to ground everyone, how to connect with everyone. By certain things, certain um, characteristics, and that's what I think about. But how can we all connect? Re- even though I'm talking about my own background, but how can we all connect? Yeah. yeah. And actually, you were you were inspired by Pina Bausch, no? The German Pina Bausch, but also uh, um, oh man, Catherine Dunham. She's another one. Ah. Her as well. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. But and, and you know, theatre in general. Theatre mm-hmm. is like a big thing for you. Yeah, yeah, love theatre, love theatre. Yeah, I, um, I think it's because of uh, being, you know, doing, you know, being fascinated by different uh, people growing up and, um, and when I think it was just how we all within that community talk we take on that person's personality and say it exactly the way they would say it and, and different characteristics and we will move different and we would like uh, either we slouch forward or, you know, just whatever. And so, um, and with, and, and because I really love dance and with Pina Bausch, uh, she was all about break, breaking down uh, ballet and, you know, getting away from that. And it's all about how the body just moves and and really letting go, and which I really really loved. And her presentation of it was is phenomenal. So um, so yeah, I wanted to bring that in. And also collaborating with your brother, mm-hmm. I heard you describe it before as being this kind of um, great connection with him because he was very familiar with how you you know personally actually move, and that as a you know many choreographers they kind of get stuck in their way of seeing dance because of body type. And, you know, if you are a differently abled person, like to have someone who's sort of grown up with you, who actually understands you, like that that means you're probably going to get to an even more enlightened kind of state of performance somehow. So is that connection very special for you? Oh, yeah, very special. You know, um, uh, there even within his um, his group of, of friends that are dancers, they process it the same, ironically, and I've never met them, but they have, they process uh, movement and things like that. It's just a series of lines. That's how they break it down. That's how they just boil all the way down to, it's just a series of lines, shapes, how your body moves. And so, um, so it was really great to, to work and see his friends uh, dance and use their bodies in, in so many different ways. But, um, but also like, because you have choreographers who do teach other people with different body types. Um, but, you know, 
they're kind of stuck in that traditional way of being taught in um in um in ballet or in, even in contemporary as well um so mm. it was it was really great to to see um and to experience that with someone who isn't so tied down to that is taught mm-hmm. you know traditionally but think differently if that makes sense yes. so yeah, um yeah. yeah like you know so it's just like uh just just finding different ways uh to dance and and that's when um that's when uh Catherine Dunham came in because she she danced all the way until like uh she were wasn't able to like stand or things like that she was in a wheelchair and she still danced mm-hmm. so that really yeah. um really inspired me to Spies. Yeah. uh to to keep going and because her technique is all about isolation of you know uh, each body part and moving it to, you know, as many different possibilities you can think of and not think of, um, and just like move on, you know, and that's where I really started with that, uh, actually practicing on my own was through the Catherine Dunham technique. Amazing. Wow. It feels like you're really challenging the perception of what an artist with a physical disability is like expected to do. It's like, you're really like opening it up you're, you're blasting it out of the water you're not allowing um perceptions to stop you from creating yeah yeah and i think i really um give give all that to uh my my parents because i wasn't taught wasn't raised to think that way of what um because uh, around that time you know there was a different uh, cultural, um, I, I guess, society, you know, thought about the disability community and, and children and things like that and what they should do, mm-hmm. you know, what, and you're just making their limitations up for them, you know, without them actually exploring. So uh, for me, I didn't know there were easier ways of, of going about doing things like physically, like, uh, cause I loved sports, but I didn't know there was like an adaptive, you know, sports for, you know, and to find that out in, and in, in adulthood, I'm like, man, that could have been, could have been like an easier way of going about this <laughs> playing basketball without a chair. Yeah. But like, okay. But you know, but it was a, it was a good, um, a good lesson within that, you know, uh, of not thinking, you know, what is society's limitations of you, you know, and to, yeah, yeah. just to really push myself and continue to um, even challenge my own thoughts about what uh, my abilities are. Yeah. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I, I, I was really interested in this idea of the complete body and, like, what is a complete body? And also you, the way that you've kind of been analyzing, you know, like, disability theory mm-hmm. and kind of looking at cyborg theory and this whole idea of cyborgs and AI and, and machinery. Lot, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Can you speak a bit about about that and the 1985 uh, manifesto that you have kind of tried to adapt to make it more current? Yeah. Um, I really liked uh, the Cyborg Manifesto uh, by Donna Haraway. Um, but one thing I I noticed, it, it was a lot of, um, you know, terminology that is very, very trans- very um, LGBTQ, very disability uh, terminology uh, that it has been used in um, in the medical field uh, for to describe disabled bodies, and um, but it was it mm-hmm. was to to talk about you know women, but you know tip, you know there's a certain group of women that she's really talking about because it's just it's her her perspective and and there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. but what i wanted to do was to you know like you you what you see in science fiction you know and in, in like sci-fi movie movies and things like that and and they're always talking about like things being added machinery being added to the body to make it better you know and you know and it's just like well you know i kind of live that I've done prosthetics before. I've done, you know, I have a, you know, wheelchair and things like that. And it's talking about something. And the potter's wheel, I guess, is like an yeah. extension, isn't it? Of, of something yeah. you're using. Yeah, it's just yeah. anything, anything that's mechanical that enhances your life is, is, is cyborg. So, um, and, um, and it was when, when I was watching, um, I want to say, I'm I'm trying to think about I'm trying to think about this science fiction mo- movie that came out in the 60s. I'll get back to it. It'll come to me. Um but I was thinking about, you know, well, these things that they're um talking about and um and imagining they're actual people that actually live these lives. And so what is that like in reality? And so it gave me a like an actual like um I want to say leverage, but a, a a more realistic way of thinking about that. So um, you know, and so it's just like I I don't really subscribe to disability theory because it's all you know social political things that is uh, again being um, decided not by the community, but for the community, by people who are able-bodied, you know? Um, so cyborg seems more realistic for me, you know, because, you know, I use uh, different components that works, you know, functions just fine by itself. But if you put it together, it functions even more, you know, better, more uh, flexible. And, and think, yeah, so... Right, right, right. Which is... Is that a movement yeah. as well, a cyborg community? Is that like I, a yeah, thing? yeah, it is. Wow. It is. You know, there is, is I, mm, like, there are cyborg writers, 
from like, I want to say the 90s. There was like a series, writing series, um, which is, is quite nice, if you can find it. Um, it is, uh, so it's, it's yeah. like, um, yeah, it's, it's a movement, you know, and, and, I, and a lot of that came from nice. the Bauhaus movement. Uh, which is like well documented. And I love yeah. Bauhaus, love it. Um, so it was mm-hmm. like uh, you have whatever concept, and you have the um, the physical ability to apply that theory within any medium you want to, um, which is kind of how my practice is set up right now, and. Uh, and, and especially with Oscar Schlemmer's um, ballet, uh, which is very, you know, different um, cyborgs. And, and it's all about their movement. And it's a very po- political piece, very political piece. So, um, yes. and I just fell mm. in love with that because it was the form. It was like uh, changing the, re- you know, changing the movement of the body with wearable architecture or costumes and things like that kind of dictate how the body would move. And I really like that, um, being able to control it in that way and to get that type of movement um, with every dancer. So, yeah. Yeah. In your Serpentine um, performance, which was titled Blackbird in Mississippi, you... Um, you applied the mm. white porcelain slip yeah. to your face. Yeah. Was it just your face? Yeah. And then as the performance goes on, it kind of starts to dry and crack and, crack. and evolve mm. like on the surface of your skin. Can you speak like a bit a about that? Because yeah. I found that so yeah. like, yeah, it's incredible. The link in a way to the, I know Ceramics. it's obviously li- literally linked, but, but also I, I don't know, after seeing the performance, I see your ceramics in such a different way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I really, you know, like within um, the mime dance ministry, they use paint, uh, face paint, um, but I wanted something different. Um, so I tried it with slip cast, the slip casting um, mm. porcelain. So there's no like, <laughs> no um, chemicals and things like that in it. Um, but I liked how how at first it makes you look very stoic and it enhances the the facial features even more um as i move and and things like that and and always i've always thought about like um how slip is on ceramics because it has to be compatible you can't just use any type of slip for every you know clay body so uh sometimes it re it does, isn't compatible, so it flakes off, it cracks off, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so I know with my face, and I kind of um, explore with different types of casting slips, because uh, uh, if it's porcelain, then it's just it really stays on. Um, but you af- add something different to it, uh, it becomes it kind of rejects the face, it falls off. And and it's easily rubbed off. So it all depends, you know, depends on how the the thickness and, you know, how thick I apply it, how thin I apply it. Um, And and what I want it to to really enhance is how, you know, my my face 
you know, like the different facial expressions, how I uh, respond to to certain person in the audience that I'm making contact with, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and it's a very, it's like a like an undoing, but in a way like um, how every ball of clay have its own memory your body has its own memory and it's like releasing that memory and that energy and things like that yeah so wow did you want to do um what would you want to do at the uh show at corvimora which by the way we have to say congratulations because you've completely sold out thank you there's a whole sequence of drawings a whole uh platform of ceramics is the most beautiful show what a what does that feel like to have your debut show there and B, to have it sold out. But also, what was you planning for the opening night? You know, I'm really happy that it, um, to have the, the show sold out. But, you know, but more importantly, you know, I am very overwhelmed in a very good way of how, you know, how it was so positively received and being able to reach yes. other people you know, um, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's kind of like being heard, you know, and, and, you know, your, mm-hmm. your perspective is being heard and, and received. And that's, that's, you know, that's very, uh, you know, just that, and, and, you know, alone is enough for me. Um, but for the opening, I planned a performance called Breathe. And Breathe the performance actually came from a conversation that I had uh, with my nephew like last year and um, he was in middle mm-hmm. school and he was in football, really good at it. And he, you know, American football. So he, um, he told me that he didn't want to do it anymore. And I said, well, why? He's like, well, in football, you know, the football players become bulky and big and he didn't want to seem like a threat to the police. So, um, oh my so God. to hear him say that he's, he's just a kid, you know, so that really mm-hmm. affected me. So I wanted to, you know, bring that conversation into a space, how, you know, it's, you know, and I broke it all the way down to just the breath, you know, cause it's something that we all need to, to live. And so, um, so I, I, you know, used a person who plays a French horn and another and his sister, his sister that plays the flute and, you know, and someone that's playing the piano. And it was, and it's all, you know, based off of this, um, this composer, uh, William Grant Still, and he made work. Um, composed music about the African-American experience. He, it was about like early 1900s. And, and um, so I, I wanted to do something similar to that. So I planned it on having uh, my brother and my brother's uh, best friend to come uh, and dance. And we're all from Mississippi. So, well, he's from Alabama, but like 30 minutes away. So it's kind of the same a little bit. So, <laughs> so have them really come in and, uh, and dance for everyone. Um, and I dance with, will you do it at some other point then? Will you do, will I'm you get hoping to do so again at the end of the I'm, run? Or? Yeah, I'm hoping yeah. so. Hoping. Um, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's very, 
it's classical, but I turned it into something that is jazz. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really about the breath, the breath, the breath within the instruments. Has your nephew changed his mind? He has not. He has not. Especially, oh, that's yeah, tragic. especially with things that are going on now within the States. Um, yeah. 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 And yeah. it's like a whole other. Yeah. So I've been really pushing uh, for something that is, you know, something that is telling and something that is healing um, for, for anyone who has felt that in their own communities, you know? So, um, yeah, so it's been, so that, you know, with my, with my nephew, that, that was definitely heartbreaking. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm. So it's, yeah, it was, it's, yeah, it was definitely started off from that, from that conversation. Wow. What's it been like for you as an American in the UK coming here, like culturally, have you found it bizarre? <laughs> it it was it's so different because I'm loud you know I'm uh-huh. very much in your face <laughs> uh-huh. you know uh-huh. and I thought I was quite quiet and, and you know very chill nah not not coming here <laughs> especially Oxford as well it's not like you're coming to London <laughs> yeah. you're going to Oxford it's like <laughs> Like everyone's so poised, and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not that, you know, because um, you know, every once in a while, my that country accent slips out, and you know, I get really loud, <laughs> yeah. you know, and sometimes it's a little bit yeah. daunting for some people. I'm like, oh, okay, well, no, too much energy. Okay, I'll dial it back, maybe a little bit, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't. Totally. So, well, so your first yeah. congratulations, first congratulations for us is for the Solid Show. But the second congratulations, which has only been announced in the last couple of days, is the fact that you were awarded, won the Turner Prize uh, bursaries, won the Turner Prize from the Tate, £10,000, uh, because we couldn't have the Turner Prize nominations this year. So they selected 10 people, and you won the 10 people that were selected. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> Yeah. Huge. What's I mean, what's that like? And did you know that was coming? And was this something you had to submit stuff for? No, I had no idea. I had wow. no idea. You know, it was it I I submit nothing. I, you know, wasn't really thinking about that, but uh Tate contacted me about it and I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah, it's fantastic. I guess I guess that must also make you feel like, you know, you're connecting, you know, with with, with what you're doing because yeah. what you're putting mm. out into the world is is bringing you know things that you haven't even applied for. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's sort of these these waves that go out of energy and then it's coming back to you. So that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. Do you look at other ceramicists? Do you look at anyone else? Like we had Grayson Perry on. Is he someone you're? looking to at all and is there other like ceramicists like post-war ceramicists and stuff that you think are incredible oh man magdalene adundo yes yes she is love them forms are incredible incredible i saw her uh there was like the ceramics conference worth wakefield wasn't it where was it she had a show was it the hepworth wakefield i think it's I, I think so. Was it Rob? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't see that. Yeah, where, where, where did you see the show? Sure oh, it, was a, uh, it wasn't a show. She, um, 
it was, I think it was like maybe 2010, 2011. She came to, to Alabama to a clay conference and she gave a speech, a lecture um, in a museum in, in, in Birmingham, Alabama. And I was there and I was like, yes. <laughs> this is the first time I, I even saw her work and hear her speak about her work and just fell in love with it completely, completely. Yes, she was in, I'm just looking up now, Magdalene Odunda was at the Journey of Things at the Hepworth Wakefield. Expedition reached together more than 50 of Odunda's vessels. Yes, Guardian gave it five stars. Kenyan-born Magdalene Odunda, OBE, is one of the world's most esteemed ceramic artists. Good one. That's a lovely person to look up to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's great. I, I just love her work. love her work and how she speaks about it. Amazing, amazing. Can we talk about a, a, a series of work that Tommaso just uh, showed me recently, which was earlier, I think, than the show you've just put on, which is a series called Black Bodies in Camouflage. And I found mm-hmm. those works so interesting because you actually used um, transfer on, on the ceramics because a lot yeah. of your current works have like gold... Um, luster. Uh, gold yeah, luster. And then gold luster and then also obviously painted elements. But I was really into mm. these transfer um, works. Mm. Yeah, uh, you know, in ceramics, image transfer is only for like um, just one one pass through um, screen prints, like one layer, mm-hmm. um, and they're patterns. And uh, you know, and I worked with the the printmaking professor here, uh, Graham Hughes, and uh, we kind of turned it into an actual full printing, but we had to think backwards. <laughs> like, cause you're print, you know, so whatever is stuck to the paper, that's the image that's gonna be shown. So I had to retrain my brain on how to think backwards with with that. And so what I wanted to do, I, you know, with that, I was very influenced by William Morris. Um, yeah, so I, I really um, took some of his patterns, uh, like, you know, very close-in shots of his patterns, um, prints and things like that, um, and turned them into images and deconstruct them on the form. Yeah. So I really, I really love image transfer. Um, it's very easy to do. I got that from... Um, a ceramic artist that was in North Carolina at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to this, uh, this place called Penland School of Craft, and uh, which is like in the mountains, um, like on top of a mountain, I think. And it's like, it's all different craft forms and it's like kind of like a campus a little bit. And so you, you know, you have like your ceramics, you have your, your metals, your printmaking, your, you know, just everything, your glass blowers. And, um, and so this guy named Jason um, Burnett, he does image transfer and he showed us how to do it with underglaze and um, and that was I thought that was like magic. <laughs> so so yeah, I was um, very fortunate to see how you know how he did things, and but also being able to turn it into something that is mine within my own practice. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And your your works on paper, the patterns from those, I've read that they 
may appear or you, you consider them to appear in the ceramics at a later stage? I was thinking about it, you know, just keep it, keep it going. Cause you know, there are big beginning stages of, of the ceramics. So what's next for Shawanda? What's going on next? Uh, <laughs> what's next? Um, you know, s- starting the process all over different, you know, reading and things like that. But, um, uh, I had, said yes to a show in Austria um, to, and I think it's like, it's in September uh, to contribute five works. So some of those uh, vessels are going to be from the paintings from the show. And, um, and that is, is named um, the black, saint and this no yeah the black saint and the sinner lady and um and that is based off of the album you know of charles mingus which is great because he he made music about you know dancers um but what that is really about is about um really about uh black women and black trans women you know um because you know they were very important in my life growing up so um and, you know, it's just really much a, a response to what's been going on in the States again. Um, and to really talk about that womanhood process and things like mm. that. So um, you grew up with black, black trans women that were like yeah, in your life? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so in, in New York, in Long, uh, Long Island, um, my, my grandmother, all her friends were uh, um, gay men, uh, uh, drag queens and trans trans women so that's you know that was really part of huge part of my life i stayed with her for she sounds amazing i love (laughs) her what an icon what an amazing experience to grow up with so that was your grandmother that's yeah was my grandmother so like every saturday they would have them uh she would have them over and they would like listen to blues and just (gasps) cackle and drink and things like that and it was just yeah you're exposed to that at a really early stage in your formative years yeah i was like wow nine yeah yeah oh my god you should write a book about your grandmother (laughs) she's great Love. She was great. Yeah. So she, she had, yeah, she, that was, you know, that was her environment that she had for us. And, um, and, you know, and we accepted them, everyone for who they were, who they are, you know? Um, yeah. so yeah. She must've gone through a lot with her friendship group then, I guess when the eighties and the nineties, when the AIDS epidemic kicked in, I miss, I bet that must've really affected kind of what yes. was going on for her. Yes. Um, you know, I've heard stories um, of her, uh, you know, when she did lived in New York City and her friends, uh, some of her friends were part of um, the the drag show, um, you know, like house, you know, like the house with the mothers and things like that. Drag like houses, the balls. And yeah, the balls and yeah, things yeah. like that, you know. And so she, you know, when, when, when the AIDS, HIV, you know, that hit, she has lost a lot of friends. She lost a lot of friends um, through that. Uh, so just hearing her talk about the different people and, and she and how she tell, you know, tells the story, she would definitely take on their personality and things like that. And so it was, it was phenomenal to hear them, hear them all talk about it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. 
What was your grandmother's name, Shwanda? Mary Bell. <laughs> she went by Mary Bells. Um, yeah, Mary Bells. That was her name. That oh. is... We'll have to, we'll have to like, I don't know if it's, we can name a drag queen Mary Bells <laughs> as like in, yeah. <laughs> it's like ultimate it's respect. It's like, yeah. it's like, that'd be great. Oh my God, you should do it in your show, Ross. I know, I know. <laughs> like, God. Um, can I quickly ask something before we move on to the final section of the show? You know, we were talking about your drawings earlier. Mm. Um, I've been looking at them so much because I'm obsessed with them. I, I mean, I, I thought they were kind of like paintings on paper. How, how do you actually describe them? And what do the patterns, do, do they actually represent anything? Because to me, they felt like almost like codes or maps to like, to like or aerial places views or something. Of, yeah, because I, like, I feel yeah. like if you follow the map, you might end up finding the doorway to something yeah. or something. I or don't like know. I felt it's like they're very some, intriguing. Some in- Inca pyramid or something like, and if you just like yeah, a so 3D version. I'm obsessed. Yeah. I'm obsessed with yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I see them as um, paintings on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like some of them are... Uh, memories of of different places and you know some of them feel like there are maps um because some of them are <laughs> um so how i saw them as is like um i used typical sayings that i've heard in um in black communities and and i thought about what that would look like and it all depends on what song i'm listening to so so it's all intuitive, you know, um, the coloring is intuitive as well. So yeah, it's just, it's just something, something with, with whatever, you know, like a, an example is, uh, get up and cut this grass. Now get up and cut the grass is uh, a saying that my father would say every Saturday, <laughs> like every Saturday, <laughs> get my brother up. He's like, get up, it's time to get up cut this grass, just get dressed, do it. (laughs) And, you know, and so, you know, those lines are very much of the pattern of how you would, you know, go with a lawnmower back and forth, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, in in the yard. Yeah, Yeah, mowing the grass. Mm -hmm. I love your titles. They're so autobiographical. Everything is like really from your life. Yes, everything is. Everything is. And do, and the drawings, are they quite like, um, do you go into the meditative state making those? Are they, do you kind of like go trance-like or are they the paintings something you really consider? Drawings. The paintings, sorry, the works on paper, the paintings on paper. It's okay. Uh, yeah, they're, they're meditative, you know, meditative uh, state as well. You know, I don't really think about it, you know. I yeah. actually have a, you know, like a, a, playlist for everything every you know uh works that i do i have an actual playlist of songs um that kind of so each work has its own yeah, playlist yeah yeah it's own mixtape you give a mixtape you make a mixtape for each kind of yeah piece. i do yeah i do i do well for each for each series or each individual work uh it it varies between series and individual works you know wow um, yeah. yeah. And do you so repeat I'd, the mixtape or is it are you like that specific to the identity of that piece or that series? Uh it's just it's for that, you know, specific piece or series of work. So I, I, I don't repeat the songs. I don't. 
Oh, I need to. We need to see these. So when we see your work, we need to then see the mixtape. <laughs> correlation between the two. Is that, is that something you'd want to share, though, or is it like part of your private process? Well, it is just something that I do. Um, but if people are interested in knowing what I listen to, um, <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. Yes, yeah, we'll have to talk to Tomazo to release something to do with that. That's yes, cool. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you should make like a vinyl or a yeah. Yeah. Or a Spotify yeah. playlist cool. that we can all connect to. Yeah, while we're seeing yeah. the show. Yeah, that would be yeah, actually that's a really good idea. <laughs> right. You you can have that. Let's do that. Yeah. So we ask uh, every guest that comes on two mm. very important questions. The first one is if you could do an art heist, if you could legally steal any artwork in the world for yourself, what would it be and why? Oh man. I, w- I would say anything that is made by Jan van Eyck. Uh, really? Yes. Oh, wow. You know, like how, how colors are selected, you know, and just a form and the placement mm-hmm. of form, but really how colors are layered. I love that. Um, yeah, so I, I just, I love, I love, just love anything from 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 his work but also uh Hieronymus Bosch earthly delight yes wow love that yes love yes. that yeah that's in Madrid we know where that is I know the exact room that's in so we can go get it <laughs> Easy. <laughs> they're heavy hitters they're good ones yeah they're very good yeah, yeah. that's yeah. super cool um the other question we ask every guest is what is your favorite color my favorite color is yellow because it's bright. <laughs> it features oh, a lot in your, your, your paintings as well. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, love yellow. Is that something you've loved yeah, like all your life? You know, it varied. It varied. I changed my colors from time to time. <laughs> I don't, you know, like I don't really stay at one, but, you know, yellow is quite sticking right now. Um, nice. Love yellow. But green is creeping up. Quite nice, like a like a nice earthy green. Uh, yeah. It's good. It's quite satisfying. Well, that's the lawn you were just talking about mowing. The yeah, lawn. that was uh, that's the feature work, the the painting that's in your show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you look to a lot of fresco paintings, a lot of Renaissance panels for ideas as well. Like that's where the gold luster yeah. comes from. That's coming into your ceramics. Yeah, mm-hmm. amazing, amazing. Well, we love you, Shawanda. We think you're legit brilliant. And, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I um, I R- Russell actually sent me your your work, and that's how I first discovered it. And the minute I saw it, I felt such a strong like pull to the work, same, and all I wanted to know same. was everything. Like I needed to know everything, and I contacted Tommaso like straight away, and he was sending me PDFs of all your works, like you know, even things that are from the past. I've just been so interested in it, and I don't know why, but I just feel such a strong connection to your work, and. I'm so happy that we were able to talk to you this quickly, you know, from the point of discovery to, because maybe I learned about your work a month ago or something. So it's really, really exciting. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you. And um, for everyone listening, we're going to be posting images on our Instagram, which is at TalkArt. And Shawanda, you have your own Instagram, don't you? Which has a very iconic title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's uh, cyborg underscore artist. I think, yeah. I think that's what it and is. And you're a science fiction fan, right? <laughs> Fundamentally, you're a big I science fiction science fan. I love science fiction. Okay. Love science fiction, yeah. Yes. So like Star Trek and, yeah. 
yeah, Star Trek. Um, Did you remember that 60s sci-fi movie you was trying to think of? Oh, yeah. So The Brain, yes. I, I want to say it's The Head That Wouldn't Talk. The Head That Wouldn't Talk. Okay, that wouldn't cool. talk. I think that's what it's well, called, we'll yeah. Check that out. And it's very, it's very feminist. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> or is it The Head That Wouldn't Die? Wouldn't die. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Wouldn't oh, talk. Wouldn't it couldn't, die. It wouldn't talk. Wouldn't die. It could talk, but we wanted it to die. It was talking too much. Wouldn't die. No, no, no. I've got it wrong completely. It's the brain oh, that wouldn't die. The brain that would die. So we both just like okay. 1962. Horror sci-fi. I just yeah. looked it up now to actually get it correct. The brain that wouldn't die. I was trying to process it. I remember it. The brain that wouldn't die. Now that is cool. Mm-hmm. Right, everybody check that out. Definitely. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, thank so you much. everyone for listening. We'll be back soon. Yeah, thank you, Shawanda. We'll You're amazing. Soon. Everyone should check out your show and follow you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right. See you Bye, very everyone. soon. Lots Bye. of love. Bye. 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 You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com